0: As we prepare to welcome 2021, there is one more list of marketing predictions that every law firm should take a moment to review and analyze. Google's 2021 marketing predictions. I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we always listen when Google talks. Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, our last episode of the year. Welcome. And how are you? Good. How are you, Leo? I'm doing great, Grace. And I'm super excited just about the idea, right, that next week we're going to be actually recording our first episode for 2021. And like to think that In Camera Podcast is now going to become officially a podcast that has been around for, well, you can say fair enough, more than a year, right? That's awesome. Yeah. and our anniversary is coming up uh very soon Grace. So a lot of big milestones uh right ahead of us. That's
1: awesome. Definitely. And this it one, is, Grace. I feel like this article is definitely going to kind of pull it together for us.
0: I agree. Care to explain a little bit our audience what article did we, cho- uh, we chose and why do you think it's uh going to help us kind of like
1: bring full circle particularly this end of the year episode? I sure will. So, all right, guys, thanks for uh, listening in today. And you know how we've been talking about all these predictions for 2021 and all that marketing kind of stuff, right, Leon? That's right. So we kind of came across this article, actually Liel did, and he saw it, and it's Think with Google. Um, They put out these uh, different marketing pieces, and they have their own when it comes to 2021. It's called Nine Predictions for Marketing in 2021 from tomorrow's industry leaders. So I feel like it it brought together a couple of young, um, hungry uh, industry leaders, and it asked them a couple of different uh, questions about what's going to happen in 2021. That's right, Grace. So these are
0: all all of the people that uh, participated and contributed into this article. They're actually graduates from the Google Associate Product Marketing Manager program, which... Think about it maybe kind of like as a management training program inside of Google where they uh, train, mentor, and coach tomorrow's marketing leaders uh, for Google, right? And it's really interesting as a, as an article, not because it touches on topics that we actually care about, which have to do with Google and marketing, but because it actually let us uh, see how bigger organizations, enterprise level organizations are looking and planning upcoming marketing strategies and decisions for the next year. But what's also extremely interesting here, Grace, is that a lot of these points are actually shaped based on what we experienced during 2020. And they are a result of some of the events that, Uh, Took place this year. And we're not just talking about COVID-19. Of course, COVID-19 has been at the center of everything and could be kind of like attributed to be the cause for all of the major events of 2020. But uh, there's a lot of other elements here, Grace. And so I think that it's fair to really go point by point and particularly take ourselves the challenge that we encourage law firms to take which is don't deny the fact that because you may not be as big as an organization as Google is, right? Or as Coca-Cola or as uh, some of the other brands that get mentioned in this article, you shouldn't pay attention and at least question yourself about whether there is something that you could do to address some of these trends, some of these opportunities that are being discussed uh, in in this piece. What do you think, Grace?
1: Definitely. I think um, we, we're we going to help them tie in. We're going to help our listeners kind of tie into what this overall enterprise level, this is how are some of our predictions and some of the things you can do. We're going to help them tie it into the legal profession so that you know we can kind of make it more cohesive. But yeah, just like you said, Leo, I think people forget that, You know, maybe maybe not forget, that's not the right word, but... Um, they get kind of mired in what happened, what's going to happen, instead of thinking, I can, too, make a difference. And they are law firms, so they got into it to make a difference. And every one of us can make something of a difference in 2021. And that's kind of what I feel like this article is going to help us discuss.
0: Yep. Agreed, Grace. So with that being said, let's start with the first point. And it's people will see through brand virtue signaling Race, I think this is such a powerful one. And let's explain here a little bit, give a little bit of context as to what we're being told here. So we all remember that during the summer, there were protests over police brutality and racial injustice, right? Right. And as a result of that, there was poor of social media support particularly coming from brands on the matter now what here uh we're being told is that now it's time for brands to be held accountable on those social support messages that they sent out in the sense that have they actually followed through because what, and they actually show here numbers, right? So they say that at the height of Black Lives Matter protests, uh, 25% of beauty ads featured models with darker skin tones, right? But just two months later, that figure had dropped to 16%. So Grace, basically what we're being told here is that users are going to hold you accountable, but Google is going to hold you accountable as well, right? One thing that we've learned a lot is that artificial intelligence, Google's algorithms are getting extremely smart grades. And the way that they're reading and connecting messaging and understanding, not just us as a brand from our content, but as of our presence in other platforms, is getting so powerful that obviously Google will be starting to monitor this kind of behavior and favor businesses that are actually showing a real commitment towards the initiatives they say they stand for.
1: What do you think, Grace? That's 100% right and <clears throat> I feel like maybe a couple of the law firms might be thinking to themselves, well, how does that how can I do something about it? You know what I mean? You're talking about beauty brands. Well, you know, we're talking about advertising, we're talking about information, we're talking about images and what you put out as a brand lining up with your story, meaning lining, it's lining up with your message that you're trying to put out there for Black Lives Matter. You got to put up or shut up, right? I mean, yeah. that's basically what it boils down to. Put it up there and make sure that it, you yeah. actually back up what you're saying.
0: Right. Because otherwise what people are saying is like, okay, these guys are just exploiting the opportunity of getting themselves some visibility by saying that they care when they don't really, Right. Right. Um, Or, you know, not enough to really create a plan and take action that will have a lasting impact. So, Grace, extremely important. And and I'll be very honest with you. A lot of organizations, law firms included, many of them put out messages against systemic racism, uh, embracing inclusion and such and, and so forth and so on. But now it's like it's time to walk the talk. And like, what are you doing for it? Is your team representative of the communities in which you live in, and are you doing enough considering your size and possibilities to really be an active member to your community and support the initiatives that you say you support, right, Grace? So I think, you know, it's not easy anymore to hide behind the curtains and just put out statements and then uh, jump into a bandwagon and do nothing about it. Right. Later on, while obviously the article is focusing here about users being the ones holding brands accountable for their promises and commitments and such. We can expect also from search engines to take this in consideration based on different signals they're getting from comments being put up on social media platforms, on their websites and on other platforms as a whole about particular brands, and that will impact also how they are seen as a whole,
1: right? So, Grace, I mean, that's a super powerful point. Yeah. I mean, let's just read that last that last sentence in that point. 63% of Americans believe that brands that issue a statement in support of racial equity need to follow up with concrete action. Put up or shut up, people. Get it done and actually stand behind what you're saying when it comes to racial equality.
0: 100%, Grace. So let's move on to the second point, which again touches a point that in a way or another ties to this, but actually it says, hey, it doesn't limit just to that, right? So it says diversity marketing will be about more than race and gender, right, Grace? So we've talked a little bit here in this podcast about inclusion as a whole and disabilities being a major factor in terms of uh, your brand experience for making it accessible for anyone. Right, Grace? And so um, what we're being told here is that I I actually think this statistic is very, very powerful. And it says here, almost a fifth of the population has a disability. Yet, according to a study by the the Gina Davis Institute, only 2.2 of characters in 2019 ads had one. So we're not putting them, well, not as a center, but we're also not including them at all in our marketing messaging, in our ads, in the way that we communicate to, the, to our actual audience, where we're basically hearing here, hey, you know, potentially up to 20% of your potential audience may have a visibility, yet they don't see reflected in your brand message. Again, I mean, we obviously looked at it more from the user experience standpoint and making sure that you are making yourself accessible to anyone, no matter what are the limitations that they may have. But this also goes to your actual marketing and the way that you promote, show your service, and I guess also celebrate your team and your talents, right? And their talents and give equal opportunities to everyone. And also how do you make it possible for people who may have a disability to be a partner to your law firm, a client to your law firm, or a team member in your law firm. And they're all equally important and they all need to be talked and mentioned and celebrated. Grace, what what do you think?
1: Definitely. And 100,000% Liel, um, when it comes to inclusion, they, what they're just mentioning there is inclusion doesn't include just race and gender. Like we typically think when it comes to seeing what we want to see um, as a representation of us. That's everything. That's, as you said, people with disabilities. That's people of every um, every walk of life, every socioeconomic class. That's inclusion exactly. of every kind.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Grace. Grace, um, third one, um, really love it, right? Uh, because they explain it just plain and simple. UX will be a bigger priority than ever before. Very straightforward. As we all went into lockdown, people just got used to or had to learn how to do everything remotely through websites and apps. And so a lot of people have upped their game to really provide outstanding user experience to users on their platforms, be that their app, be that their website. And there is very little tolerance now to clunky or unresponsive websites or apps that are not really giving you an opportunity to go use, interact with a brand the way that you would want to and be able to complete transactions as you would expect. So, Grace, again, I mean, this is extremely applicable for law firms. So... If your websites are not well optimized for mobile, if your websites do not have clear call to actions, if your website make it hard for users to find ways to actually get in touch with you in the way that it's convenient for them, and you should know which ones are the ways that are convenient for them based on your buyer persona. If you know that the web form submission is the actual most common way for your clients to reach out to you, then those need to be accessible for any pay, from any point on your website right? In a very easy and intuitive manner. If it's phone calls, exactly the same thing. If it's live chat, exactly the same thing. But if it's not live chat and it's phone calls, then your phone call should be above and ahead your live chat pop-up that is taking over your entire page, right? With five different pop-ups. So that's extremely important, Grace. Very, very important. And I think it cannot be stressed enough, the importance that user experience plays in the client experience
1: journey of clients in a law firm as a whole. What do you think? The user experience is the first, almost always the first interactivity somebody has with your brand and law firm. So yeah, it's pretty darn important to make sure that the user experience is as seamless as you possibly can make it. And as you said, especially right now, everyone's used to going click, click, click. I get to what I want in a click or less, right? So it has to be done properly and it has to be, it has to be at the forefront of what you're dealing with because everyone is digital now. And so it doesn't matter who your buyer persona is. You have to know, well, it does matter who your buyer persona is in terms of what you said, right? It has to be phone calls or forms or whatever, but it doesn't matter which one of those it is. It needs to be a phenomenal brand uh, user experience for your user.
0: Let's move on to the next one, which is live streamed e-commerce will help brands stand out, Grace. I like this one particularly because, you know, obviously the description itself make it a little bit uh, not too relevant for law firms, but I actually think that it can be very
1: applicable, Grace. What do you think? It can be. So I actually thought that was a super interesting thought, right? Because they talk about, basically they're talking about pop-up shops and I, as you know i as a person who loves you know online shopping and i shop everything online pretty much a pop-up shop is a great idea so i actually thought about it in terms of a law firm like how could a law firm do some kind of a pop-up shop well they could in theory right they could do like a a pop-up quote-unquote shop of an inside view of their law firm and meet the people that you work with and have like a a cool day of pop-up shop you know so it's relevant to the law firms but um I know what they're saying specifically is that people are trying to go for that in-person experience online.
0: That's creative, Grace. I'll give you that. (laughs) I think of a couple of ways that this can be used. Well, first of all, focusing on the first part, which is the live streamed element out of it, right? So definitely um, live streams are um, a great resource and opportunity that law firms and anyone, any business can be leveraging more right? Whether those are Q&A sessions that you're promoting and then going live with. So in a way to connect with your community, answer questions, be present, be there, right? Maybe, you know, get creative with it. Do uh, live stream testimonials, right? I mean, if you have uh, clients that just achieved a milestone in their case or something, go live celebrating that, right? Like, of course, there's a lot of sensitivity here that needs to come into play. You know, uh, attorney client privilege and all of those things need to be observed and such. But if you can find a way, right, where you can actually stream some of these magical moments that happen in law firms when you get to deliver good news about things. And so that's so powerful, Grace, so powerful. People really love that, right? How many times haven't you stopped on Facebook your scroll because there's a video of the husband giving away to his wife, you know, the house of their dreams or, or someone from the military coming back to surprise their his fiance or her his parents or someone, right? And so these videos of unexpected moments create so much engagement and they're so powerful. So I think law firms are not fully leveraging really how much of this they can be doing, right? Whether it's of these special moments they have with clients or whether it's uh, some internal moments, as you've said, right? What's happening now in our law firm? What can we share? So I'm focusing there on the live stream component. But how about, um, you know, focusing on the other part, the e-commerce side of thing? So what's special about Pop-Ups? Well, is that they actually have like a limited durability uh, or they're a limited time only sort of thing. So... Once it's there, once it's available, you you have access to things, but then it's gone and it's gone for good. So you don't want to miss out. Can law firms leverage that? Yes, they can. We need to, however, go back to our conversation where we touched a little bit on uh, low bono. Right, Grace? So uh, can a uh, Law Firm says we're going to uh, run a special promotion. Join us for a uh, live uh, stream and then during the live stream say that for a limited time the first five uh, businesses to reach out to you or so they'll get their contract writing done at half of the hourly rate price whatever that is grace that that could be a way of actually leveraging a promotion in this kind of style and it could be applicable for many different practice areas of course It will depend your product, it will depend your buyer persona, it will depend also on how flexible you are about committing yourself to this kind of promotional stuff. But focusing more on the first part, going back to that, the live stream part, I think, Grace, there is so much there that can be explored. So I definitely think, you know, think outside the box, think about out of the traditional social media content that you've grown used to. Uh, see law firms make and start think a little bit more on what is the type of social media content that you actually like to consume how can you make it applicable for your law firm as well so grace we have a few more to go let's move on to the next one practical will become the new premium what what does that mean
1: grace well you know actually i couldn't have put it better um for those of us who under- who know psychology and what they consider Maslow's hierarchy of needs, basically it's everyone has, because of the pandemic and everything that's gone on, we've all con- kind of gone back to our basic needs of shelter, food, sleep, and the things that we need to survive and continue surviving properly and happily. And that includes mental health and things of that nature. So that's kind of what they're talking about here is We're looking for more practical means of dealing with the everyday, again, rather than things that are kind of out of our reach. Does that make sense, Leo? A hundred
0: percent, Grace. And it's so applicable for marketing for law firms.
1: The reason why I think this is so
0: applicable for law firms, Grace, is because at, at the end of the day, what is that lawyers do for their clients? Bring them stability, bring them well-being. Um, take care of them so that they can then move on and live their lives as good as they can, right? And I think this is applicable for most of practice areas. I think uh, at the end of the day, no matter which practice area you focus on, you're a problem solver from your clients. And, And if somebody is reaching out to you, well, it's because they have a problem that it's important enough for them to want to reach out for help, right? And so when you strip it Out to the most basic elements of it all, it's actually that it's a person seeking out for help that needs the reassurance that somebody is with them and trying to make things good for them. The other thing that I think is very uh, important and that we can take away from this one, Grace, uh, it's just basically, again, the messaging and the values of what you should be talking about and what, should, what you should be thinking of when crafting your messaging, whether those are social media posts, whether that is your website content, whether that is your newsletter or other communications that you send out to uh, existing clients or... Or potential new clients is focus on the real practical things that people need to be safe, secure, and reassured.
1: That's right. Would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent, Leo. Everything to be safe, secure. I mean, they put a simple example of how to get sleep again. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have just yeah. just to get sleep again with what's going. On.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they say here a very good example that is that the New York Times evolved its new message to include help with everyday life with solutions like how to get a better sleep. And that is in their main news section. And because this is what matters to people. Yes, very important. Everything happening around us. But at the end of the day it's also about how can I feel better today? Grace, now, from practical and basic needs, we jump into augmented reality, and this one, honestly, this it this feels it's it reminds me kind of like the voice search. Now, augmented reality will go mainstream. Please give me a break, Grace. I mean, is it really augmented reality gonna go mainstream? I personally, it's been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's been around for a while. I don't know. I I need to debate this one a little bit, and I mean he. I think there is it has a lot of potential from the entertainment side of things. gaming, you know social media, particularly pertaining to music industry, e-commerce, it can be very, very powerful, right to be able to actually um, stage potential purchases in your home, in your office in your wardrobe, in you, right It could. Be hitting new heights from that standpoint. Now, from a B two B standpoint or for a service provider standpoint, I don't know, Grace. I mean, could we potentially get to a point where we're going to be able to have Zoom calls where we can actually be like you're in the room, simulate our simulate our presence in a room? Maybe. Does it? Will it be great?
1: I don't know. Do you need that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, Would what, you even wear? I don't know. That's the thing. I. It's funny that we're talking about augmented reality because I did see, you know, the Oculus, right? That's one of the things that I've seen that we could put on your head and it's a headset and it kind of immerses you in the whole reality. And yeah. I've seen other companies use it for uh, displaying the actual offices and feeling like you're in their office with their people and their staff. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but honestly, it becoming mainstream? Truthfully, I don't think so. I just don't yeah. think there's enough so to warrant that. I
0: think for applications where you're hand-holding your phone and pointing it to somewhere, and then you can actually see and, and have the augmented reality experience through that configuration, holding your phone, watching your screen, being able to take that experience from there, that could that is okay. That works. Now, when you add to the equation, no, you have to you have to, to uh, get one of those uh, virtual reality yes. things uh, in your head. And like, that is not intuitive, right? Like the normal person doesn't wear one of those or not for long periods of times. And if they do, it's mainly for entertainment purposes. I don't know, Grace. I think it's, I think it, it's kind of like, it, it takes it over the the line of having to make too many configurations in order to be able to get you to to like user experience standpoint exactly like i need to make too many adjustments around myself so i can actually go and do that and i you, you this was the time that that could have taken off right? right like this was the time where there was a bunch of virtual conferences happening a bunch of virtual gatherings and parties and everything and people Jump into those through a webcam and a monitor, not through this augmented reality you that's know, a... helmet sort of thing. So I think maybe it's on the horizon. Maybe there's going to be devices that are going to make it more. Uh, the application of this is going to be way more intuitive. But until that's not here, I, I still feel this is a very uh, long shot, Grace. So let's move on to the next one, which I really love. Micro-influencers will have a macro
1: impact. Very true i mean it's the people that have their individual communities honestly and that's kind of what it says right here is you know the influencer market we all know is worth a lot of money and it tells you right here 8 billion in 2019 and estimated to grow to 15 billion over the next two years but it's, there's it's such a saturated market that they're looking for people that, yeah, they may not have a million followers, but the followers they do have between, as they say here, micro influencers have small flo- smaller followings between a thousand and a hundred thousand followers. They're part of a community. So that person has rather than saying that they're an influ- a huge influencer with a major brand, The people that are following this micro-influencer for this maybe smaller brand or something specific about that brand, they're going to listen to this micro-influencer because they're part of that community. And it's less of – it's not this giant group of people that's all part of a herd. It's people that specifically follow this person because of something very, very specific. And that includes how they can influence that group. They have a much higher – what would be the word, Liel that they have much higher what on that group because of them being a micro-influencer. Influence, right? Yeah, straight up influence. Grace, it's
0: just an untapped opportunity for law firms. It is, it really is, because it actually gives you access to have someone who speaks and connects with an audience in a very personal and engaging way that you won't have access through your traditional marketing and by traditional marketing now we're kind of like throwing in everything that goes into your also digital marketing because you know here it's all about recommendations it's all about trust it's all about being part of a community and i really think that for law firms a few things here number one going back to niche marketing This is a great way of actually accessing particular niches, right, where you actually want to have a presence. So to have the backing of someone of influence within this community, it's going to be of great and massive impact. People usually think of influencers and they go back and think about commerce, about retail, right? They think about shopping, makeup, you know food, restaurants, you name it, but they don't really think a lot about service providers. And service providers have as much as an opportunity to actually generate brand awareness through influencers as much as any other brand has, Grace. So this is a great, great opportunity. And I can see it 100% growing in the legal industry over the next few years. It's just, you know, we haven't been paying enough attention to this, Grace, but this is really here and it has a tremendous amount of impact. I'm just, you know, not to get into this conversation too much here, but for Masters, for instance, this could be game-changing. So um, this is a great point, and I think we're gonna be hearing a lot of this in the next coming months and years. Now, Grace, the next point talks about personalization, says personalizations will scale massively. Grace, what does it mean, personalization? In which context are we talking here about personalization?
1: So. You know, I think, as as it says, even in the very first sentence of this piece here, the importance of mass personalization has been talked about forever, right? Kind of like, in a way, even as much as voice search and virtual reality and all of this. Now, they're talking about it being more specific to the individuals. So not just as simple as, like, putting the person's name on there, but something that could be as specific as they went and watched this video so this to you know this six or 15 second video or ad would be more specific to that person because they've seen this series of videos. And so that would be extremely personalized to that individual. So we're not just talking about, again, mass personalization, right, Leo?
0: Absolutely great. So let me me explain here a little bit about how uh, Google particularly uh, sees and wants to use this personalization data to improve the marketing results for brands. So I remember back in marketing life, Google marketing life of last year. So they actually introduced this YouTube's director mix then. And basically what they did, Grace, is they tested it out on a movie that was going to be released on that Christmas, which was The Grinch something, right? And so they took the entire movie, true AI, analyzed all of the different components and scenes that were in there. And then so that when a user, let's suppose, was searching for something like holiday cookie recipes on Google, and then at some point that same day or later, another day, going into YouTube to watch a video of something, Google... Uh, could use that information about some of the search queries the user has used before to quickly generate a video for that user that had some scenes of the Grinch movie where there was food or cookies or treats or something, and and generate some sort of messaging. Whereas, like looking for holiday treats, it, that was kind of like the idea, right? How can I actually? How can I actually make The The connection. Yeah, the Grinch movie trailer relevant to the user who's actually searching for other Christmassy or holiday related uh, stuff. Well, I actually going to tie it up to things that they are searching that relates to the holiday and just include it in the way that I uh, present the snippet or the bumper of the uh, movie, right? So it's more engaging for them. So it's bumper and 15-second ads that get generated on the spot, inserting actual words that are relevant based on the user behavior, and uh, it gets fed to them right there and then. So can law firms do this for personal injury? 100%. You got it, Grace. I mean, and you can already do it now. You may not be able to actually personalize for each single person and adjust text on the actual clip, but with this new technology, you can. Right, and we're going to be able to change ad copy or uh, messaging inside the display ads or uh, YouTube ads to really resonate to specific keywords that the users have been uh, have been searched. Right, so I, I think Grace, you know, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. This is going to uh, fully evolve into a much bigger opportunity for all of us to explore. Grace, we have one more. It's selling health and happiness will
1: capture Gen Z hearts and minds. That's right. So guys, you know, the idea is it's time for us as marketers to take actions. And it says it right here that bring positive change. We need to talk about feeling good, mental health issues, and things are okay or going to be okay. We just need to talk about community and being together and the togetherness, especially with everything that happened with COVID. What they're trying to tell you in this specific section of the article is that Gen Z's, uh, that kind of, that group, that socioeconomic group believes in the heart and the mind and the connection between the two as well as work. So you need to bring it as part of your company, your firm, your business, as, as part of who you are. Talk about health, talk about mental health and make it an okay topic. It needs to be okay to talk about these things because I know, and it says it here, I know, and I feel it too, that a lot of people feel like they're not allowed to necessarily discuss mental health issues because they're afraid that they may not get the next opportunity at work because they're talking about mental health issues. It has been, and unfortunately has been a very long time that it's been a taboo, somewhat of a taboo subject, much less in the workplace. What do you think, Liela?
0: Um, I think if one thing we've learned in 2020 is that we all need help, right? We all have challenging and difficult moments and it's 100% necessary for us to normalize that, not see it as a weakness and create safe, safe spaces for anyone to feel comfortable coming forward without uh, that backfiring or going against them, Grace, 100%. And I think that the more uh, we see a younger generation join the labor force, join our organizations, the more we're going to feel the need of actually adjusting the way that we've gone about some particular things that we may have not been as open as we used to be before, Grace. So I think, Grace, with that, we come to the end of the article. Again, I think there's some things there that were so applicable, right? Easy, like you just heard them and they felt like a ring to the finger. But some others not. Some of them actually required quite a lot of thought and uh, consideration so you can actually take action and make it part of your strategy, Grace. So let's break it down and see if we can come up with three actionable things
1: that we can can do, Grace. Do you have anything in mind? I do. So I'd say the first one is about... Diversity, inclusion, and your brand, okay? I kind of put it one and two together into one takeaway, and that is make sure that whatever story you are putting out there, not only is it of course true to who you are, but you make the ads and everything that you do inclusive of every kind of inclusion that you can. And remember that diversity and inclusion doesn't just mean gender or race. It also means things like being disabled and things of that nature. So my takeaway number one would be take a look at your current marketing um, when it comes to diversity inclusion. Um, Make sure that your story and that your messaging all aligns properly with your buyer personas and with your own uh, feeling about the messaging and the story that you want to put out there and make sure that your team and or your clients and everything is representative of that diversity and inclusion that you're trying to achieve or have put the message out about.
0: I totally agree with you, Grace. I will say my takeaway number two, I'm going to make it about user experience. I think that we have enough reasons to believe that our Digital presence is going to continue to grow and become a more important part of our organizations and businesses. And so the better you make the experience for users interacting with your brand online, the greater uh, the chances are that you will be able to convert those website visitors or social media uh, community members into clients. So definitely invest in your website make sure that you test it out and that everything in it really translates and delivers as you want the kind of experience that you would give your clients when they walked into your law firm make it an extension of your of yours and so that is 100% something that i think it's uh, attainable and it requires time. It requires effort. It may require also an investment from your end because obviously it's web development. There's has to be some SEO components in there as well, but it's 100% worth it, Grace. So that's my takeaway number two. What would be the last one,
1: Grace? Number three for me um, would be another combo in a way where I, I'm looking at practical as the new premium, and that includes... The information that you're putting out there for being heart healthy and happy right because this is all kind of going back to your basic needs as a human being and covid kind of put that in in very big letters for everybody i think right just getting simple sleep and uh, mental health and all of those things that we as people were able to sort of Kind of take advantage of because we're out in the world, we're able to see each other, we're able to talk to each other. We were able to do all those things, not so much anymore. So just remember that practical is sort of the new premium, and that includes in your messaging. You know that you know people, people are looking for community. They're looking to, uh, they're looking for outreach. You're looking for help on the most basic level, and. How can you do that? Well, you could. You could actually. It's it, from our very last conversation that we had, Liel. They could even put together a package that would help people, you know, in terms of the um, uh, contingency fee models um, that they have. You know, like say they're not doing They don't do contingency fee, and that they have to charge people for whatever reason um, an hourly fee. Well, they could be transparent, you know, and that to me has to do with practical being the new premium. Be practical about how you. Talk to your clients. Be practical about how you're putting your messaging out there. People need help, and that includes just basic information that you may may overlook. What do you think, Leo?
0: I 100% agree with you, Grace. Um, keep it simple, right, as well. Keep it simple. And also, as you've said, Grace, don't, don't forget, don't assume that clients only care about the results or only care about the compensation. There's another side of things that you should talk about, bring to the attention of your potential or existing clients. And the better you understand who you're serving, the more likely are you gonna be able to craft a message that's actually gonna resonate well to the, with them and reassure them that they're in good hands and working with the right kind of lawyer for their needs, Grace. So thank you so much, Grace, for not just a wonderful conversation, but for a wonderful year full of really insightful conversations. This has been super exciting uh, as a journey to have created this, this podcast. Um, And I just, you know, want to thank our audience for being with us through this journey so far and to you as well, for being a great partner in what has been an amazing experience.
1: Same here, Leo. And thank you for a wonderful 2020 of podcasts and marketing podcasts. see,
0: (laughs) See you in 2021. And of course, we'll have another Great legal marketing conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a happy new year. With this episode, we reach the end of our second season of In Camera podcast. We will be back with the first episode of season three on January 11th. Thank you for listening. Have a happy new year and we will see you then. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review and send us your questions at Ask at incamerapodcast.com We'll see you next week.